Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for the Miami Dolphins and now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Sam Marcoux. He is your two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, Mr. Christopher Colon. Chris, how the hell are you, my friend? I haven't been this good in months, Sam. I can literally say there's a Miami Dolphins game tomorrow. This is amazing. It is tomorrow, unless when they're listening to this, it's two days from now. Then the game would have happened yesterday. Uh, either way, this is going to be uh, the start, the kickoff, if you will, of the 2018-2019 season for the Miami Dolphins. We start with our first preseason game. We've got uh, hard knocks with a former Miami Dolphins player spouting off, getting all kinds of national attention. We've got Bleach Report coming out saying what our odds are to win the Super Bowl, which spoiler alert, are not good. Uh, We've got all kinds of things that are going on here, Chris. But before we get into that, we do need to talk about the citizens of Perfectville, like always, coming strong, looking for their sip sack, Aronde Baxton koozies. Uh, We got a couple new ones here, a couple more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. And just like always, if you give us a five-star rating and a review, we will give you an Aronde Baxton for free, a sip sack koozie that we have developed and sent out to people all over the world. Chris, I actually got a tweet the other day from... uh, from a citizen who was in Mexico enjoying a nice cerveza with Aronde Baxton. It was uh, it was quite lovely. Yeah, a great follower of ours. He's been around forever. Uh, La- Lazima or I, Ledesma, sorry if I, I believe, butcher yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if I butcher that. I'm doing it off memory, but um, he is always just liking, retweeting our stuff, and been a fan. So that was so cool. He's with his family in Mexico, uh, having a blast, and he brought Aronde Baxton with him. So that was great. Yeah, I wonder if like it went through customs and they like opened his bag and like, what in the hell is this? The and he's like, this? don't worry about it. I need to tweet a thing later. Is that a mini brown bag? Like, what yeah. the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, somebody put the uh, glove on and lube up because this guy's going to get rotor rooter right up the old poop chute. Uh, make sure he's got a weirdo. He's bringing his own bags. Um, <clears throat> no, we, we appreciate the sacrifice a lot. And uh, thank you very much. But a couple of them, Chris. So we actually have like one and a half reviews. I'm going to say one and a half because one is like a re-review. You know how we have that every now and then mm. people go back. And instead of leaving comments about the the, uh, the show in a normal forum, they just continue to leave comments in their own reviews. So this actually <laughs> comes from Dolphin Ray, who uh, was the Daniel Fishmonger Lives from last week. Uh, he went back through, gave us five stars again, and says, my favorite episode yet, laughed my ass off, looking like a crazy person. Outstanding. I will share my Daniel Fishmonger mantra with the community of Perfectville soon. Look at this. We've got a tease, and it's not a tease from Chris Cullen or myself. It's from one of the citizens <laughs> of Perfectville. He's writing his own script for the show here uh what the hell i mean you're not a member unless this is chris under uh you know a not different me name. not me oh. but it's funny I, I worked in radio and to get a radio tease from a fan that is uh that's a first for me that's that's great dolphin ray now is going to just like start creating um have you ever seen the movie split he's just going to have all these different like identities and he's gonna be like hello this is marge uh he's posting again five stars i've got something crazy for next week uh that's, that's, that's gonna be awesome i can't wait yeah dolphin ray slash daniel fishmonger is a better producer of this show than you or i combined <laughs> uh we might need to hire him to be the official producer that's a beautiful radio tease i'm interested i'm reading this and i'm interested in what how and how it's going to reveal show. Yeah, yeah, we have no idea. But uh, speaking of no idea, the next one comes from I Am The Cat. Well, there you go. And it says, Ricky Williams MVP, five stars. The drunk guy really impressed me last week with his Dolphins knowledge, so I decided to leave a review. Well, uh, I think you were drunk, I Am The Cat, because as you noticed on the last episode, Chris Cullen and myself were sober (laughs) as hell. And uh, that was kind of the problem, why we couldn't even form a sentence without tripping all of ourselves is because we were sober. So uh, thank you very much, but uh, not true. Not true at all. Anyway, the Chris, funny thing uh, is, I think he might have thought I was joking, but I was really super sober last episode. So, um, I mean, I might have a problem if like yeah. he really thinks like I was actually just joking and was drunk and um, sounded more drunk because I was sober. Then, yeah, maybe some slow down, pump the brake, uh, pump the brakes a little bit. 
Uh, maybe a little bit, but we're not pumping the brakes on the coin no. toss here, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. We're getting started. Yeah, I noticed last week, Chris, uh, we started the show, the official show after the coin toss, after 20 minutes into us just <laughs> ranting and raving like a lunatic. And I actually got some feedback saying, you know, if you're going to start the show with a coin toss, start the show with a coin toss, not 25 minutes into a, a pregame show, if you will. So sure. uh, point taken, we are flipping the coin now. And I want to let everyone know that this quarter is from 1979, Chris, uh, 1979. I was not born yet. You were obviously not born yet. This team went 10 and 6, actually, and uh, won the AFC East. Um, beat the Bills twice that year because the Dolphins beat the Bills twice every year in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> lost in the divisional playoff round to the Steelers 14-34. to And it wasn't even that close. The Steelers actually got out to a 20 to nothing lead and uh, really just won by 20 after that. They just kind of you know, played keep away after that. So uh, a good year, not a great year for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, one of the interesting things about 1979, Chris, uh, we had, I believe, 14 draft picks that year. Isn't that crazy? Jesus Christ. Yeah. What was there like 15 rounds in the draft or something? Yeah, there were 12 rounds. We had one, two, three third round picks. We had uh, two eighth round picks, two tenth round picks, and then a pick in every other round. Out of all those people that we picked, though, the only name on here that I think you'll know uh, was actually Tony Nathan, who was a running back. He uh, mm. he was actually a pro bowler out of Alabama. Um, this is a different time, man. I mean, uh, we, we, we drafted a, a place kicker in the seventh round, which normally if you're going to draft place kicker in today's draft, that would be where you would do it. But uh, we still had a third round pick essentially because we picked a wide receiver, a defensive back an offensive tackle, two more defensive backs, a quarterback and a defensive end after we picked that place kicker. Yeah. And like nine of those worked for the United States postal service and like never even saw the field. Yeah. It's, it's uh, how how factory union workers back then. (laughs) Yeah. I mean the over the, the kicker that we took out of Oklahoma was you von Schman. Uh, (laughs) True story. Russian spy moving over to the American soil. Yeah. And he, uh, he actually was, uh, you know what, actually we took Glenn Blackwood after him. He made the team too. So that's interesting. Anyway, that was 1979, 10 and six lost in the divisional round to the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, and, uh, about 75 draft picks, uh, with one of them being of significance. And that of course being Tony Nathan, in, in perfect Dolphins fashion. We yeah. have 75 draft picks and one is a name we actually kind of recognize. So here's, here's an interesting little tidbit about this 1979 team. Uh, who was the head coach of the Dolphins in 1979? Um, was it uh, Schnellenberger? No, no. The head coach was Don Shula. That was the easy one. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I so, knew that. I thought you were telling me a trick question. I know Schnellenberger was, uh, you know, coach with Shula and then moved on to the University of Miami. So I was thinking maybe his interim or something. But, yeah, go on, Shula. Uh, so Don, Don Shula is the head coach. Do you care to guess who the quarterback slash wide receivers coach was in 1979? Absolutely not. I have no idea. Dan Henning. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like Dan, the Dan Henning, the wild, the, like the Dan Henning from the Carolina Panthers and the uh, Miami Dolphins. Run, 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 punt. The very same Dan Henning that was the offensive coordinator under uh, the farmer there, whatever his name was, whose name I can't even remember right now. But yes, the very same Dan Henning <laughs> who came back to be our offensive coordinator in 2008, 2009, 2010. It was Sperano, right? Yet he was also the quarterbacks coach back in 1979. Jesus so, Christ, I don't even think uh, Tannehill was born then. I mean, he no, wasn't. He was born he, then. So. He absolutely was not. Yeah, I mean that's crazy to me oh, that Lord. he was around even back then. But uh, that's like us w- hiring Bob Barker right now to be our defensive coordinator. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and he would have this exact same playbook. But anyway, uh, it is 1979. Uh, Chris, what is your topic that you are bringing to the coin toss for this episode of Perfectville? It'll be the pregame. Tomorrow, the preseason game tomorrow, the preseason game tomorrow. Yes, we are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is our very first official game of any sort in a very long time. Uh, We're going to be talking about all things, what to expect about it. Um, I'm actually bringing something from Bleacher Report, and those are Mm. the odds for the Miami Dolphins and the NFL teams in general based on uh, what Bleacher Report says for this season. Very interesting where they have the Miami Dolphins rated and even more interesting who they have rated underneath them and who they have rated above them. Uh, so uh, I have the odds for the Miami Dolphins, according to Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report to win the Super Bowl. You have the pregame uh, preview of the Miami Dolphins versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on preseason game number one in Miami. Uh, call it in the air, Chris, on this 1979 
quarter. Uh, I am flipping now. Tails. It is, in fact, tails. That makes you two and two in the four weeks that we've been doing this head, uh, head-to-head coin toss here. Since it is tails, uh, you win. Would you like to defer to the second half, or would you like to receive your topic now in the first half of Perfectville? I will defer because I think I would like to end on discussing the game tomorrow because that's what I'm most excited about. Oh, look at you. Building your own anticipation. You learned a little something from the citizens of Perfectville. Gave yourself yeah. a tease. I like that. I like that. Well, that means uh, I am receiving right now, which means my topic is going to be what Bleacher Report came out with, with the odds of the Miami Dolphins and everyone else beating or uh, getting to the Super Bowl here. And do you happen to have an idea, if I told you that the Miami Dolphins were 50 to 1 odds to make it to the Super Bowl, would you consider that good or bad or right about where it should be? I'd consider that good, but I I have a feeling from what I've seen in the offseason, from the national pundits, from the betters, from the uh, the casinos, we're even worse than that. I mean, I, I've seen us in the 30s with like the Jets and like the Browns. Okay, so that in mind, and you you know exactly where I'm going. You know how I set things up. What in your mind do you think the Bleacher Report folks have put the Miami Dolphins at in terms of uh, blank to one odds to beat uh, to be the Super Bowl champions? I would say probably a uh, hundred to one odds. You are 100% spot on. They give wow. the Miami Dolphins 100 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl in 2018. And uh, a lot of the reasons that I think a lot of people have us ranked pretty low is that uh, we got rid of a lot of talent, quote unquote. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill is injury, um, his injury to his knee. Is he going to be able to recover? And on top of that, Odd Sharks gives Gase, Adam Gase, 15 to 2 odds to be the first coach fired this year. Whoa, second, really? Second only to Hugh Jackson of the winless Cleveland Browns in 2016. So according to a lot of people, uh, Bleacher Report included, they think Adam Gase is on the hot seat. They think the Miami Dolphins have very little shot to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that we should be the favorites by any means. And I think I'm okay with 100 to 1 because it all is within context here. Uh, And they're not the worst odds for any team in the NFL, but they're pretty damn close to the bottom of the barrel here. So I I figured it would be kind of easy. Care to guess the three teams, I'll give you that much. The Miami Dolphins are the fourth worst, have the fourth mm. worst odds out of all 32 teams, according to Bleacher Report. Care to guess the three teams below them? Uh, the Jets. The Jets are actually at right below the Miami Dolphins. So spot on, they're 120 to 1. So mm. the Jets are third worst in terms of odds to win the Super Bowl this year, directly below or above, depending on how you look at it, the Miami Dolphins. Good job. You got two more. The Browns. Oddly enough, the Browns are at 80 to 1. So Bleacher <laughs> Report has the Cleveland freaking yeah, what Browns. what a fucking world we live in. Jesus. This, talk about a world we live in, Chris. Not only do they have the Browns at better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Miami Dolphins, they have their head coach at better odds to be fired yeah, wow. before What's the Miami shit? Dolphins. It's, it's, it's a Maybe they expect Hugh Jackson to be fired and Todd Haley to take over and actually light a spark um, for them to win some games. So credit, credit due, by the way, uh, Travis Wingfield actually mentioned that on Twitter. Uh, that's his prediction. Hugh Jackson goes 0-5, gets fired. Haley takes over and they go 5-11. and Like that was his prediction. Uh, and shout out to Travis. I was on the Locked On uh, Finns podcast with him about the Zach Thomas special uh, that just came out yesterday. So that was awesome. Thanks for having me on. Um, but I cannot believe the Browns are ahead of us. But oddly enough, in perfect um, beat reporter fashion, they also have that same head coach being have better odds to be fired than our head coach who has better odds uh, to, to lose more games. So that's it's, great. It's like the worst trigonometry uh, problem I've ever come across yeah. in my life. Uh, okay. So do you want me to give you a hint? Um, to, I'll, I'll try again now that the okay. Browns are ahead. Okay, I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna say uh, the Bears. No, nope. The Bears are apparently better than the Miami Dolphins. They are not below either. Although I will give you this hint: it is another. There is another team that is below the Miami Dolphins that starts with a B on their uh, mascot. Buffalo. Actually, Buffalo is at 100 to 1, just like us, which has got to be an insult to Buffalo because they made the playoffs last year. But then again, they made the playoffs and then got, yeah, but then they got rid of all of their quarterbacks. So I, I, you know, they're starting a rookie as well. So I understand why they'd be knocked down to 101. They're actually tied with the Miami Dolphins for that. Um, But it's another B team. So it's not the Bears, it's not the Bills. It might be. Is it who who are playing tomorrow? The Buccaneers? Ding, ding, ding. The Buccaneers have the worst odds. 
in all of football, according to Bleacher Report, at Ooh. 200 to 1. It's so, got to be because of uh, Winston's suspension. That's part of it. Absolutely. So <clears throat> the fact that they're in a stacked NFC South that has the Saints, uh, that has the Falcons, you know, that, that has the Panthers, um, you know, they, they aren't a great team on offense. Uh, then you take away one of their big issues of James Winston missing the first three games and all those reasons and more is why uh, Bleacher Report has them at 200 to one odds. So according to Bleacher Report, tomorrow's game might be the worst game ever played. <laughs> Uh, between the two hundred one, yeah, of course, we're a part of history uh, once again. But there is one other team, Chris, uh, that is below the Miami Dolphins, above the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but also below the New York Jets. And you're going to have to fly out west. And uh, just to give you another clue, they're a little bit more out west, and they could fly themselves if their mascot was an actual uh, thing. Uh, care to guess who else might be uh, below the Miami Dolphins in this Bleacher Report ranking? It's got to be the Cardinals. It is absolutely the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals should be beyond uh, below yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. For my money, the, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be the worst team in the league this year. Uh, however, uh, Bleacher Report has them as the second worst team in the league this year, and that is because they have them at 150 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl. And part of that has to do with the fact that, look, they're probably going to have to start a rookie in Josh Rosen. If they don't, they're going to have to start Sam Bradford, who's probably going to get injured walking to the field. Uh, <laughs> you have Larry Fitzgerald, who's 34 years old, and no. Uh, not a whole lot else. I mean, uh, David Johnson is great, but he was in, he seems to get Turn injured quite injury, often. Yeah. You know, so the Cardinals are going to be awful too. So I agree with that. I agree with the Buccaneers. I agree with the Cardinals. I agree with the Jets. That being said, with those <laughs> people behind us, yeah, okay, they should be below the Miami Dolphins or behind us, but the Chicago Bears are tied with us. They're at 100 to 1 odds with the Miami Dolphins, as are the Buffalo Bills, which I, the Cincinnati Bengals, who haven't done anything ever, uh, are at 80 to 1 odds. The Cleveland Browns are at 80 to 1 odds, as we previously talked about. It's crazy to me. The Seattle Seahawks are at 75 to 1, which kind of shocked me, but then again, they have gotten rid of a lot of talent and people are in Injured, so maybe they're not as good as they you know uh, previously were. But the Washington Redskins is sixty to one odds. The Redskins are at sixty to one. Oakland Raiders can't even get the Oakland Raiders can't even get their best player in camp, and they're at sixty to one odds. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. The Indianapolis Colts, who are still hoping Andrew Luck's arm just doesn't fall off, are at forty-five to one odds. Does that oh, make Jesus. any sense on no. any level? It doesn't. It's it's crazy to me that these these teams that are not good, the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, care to guess what their odds are? Uh, well, based on it, it sounds like you're going from the bottom up. I'd say what thirty to one odds, thirty five to one. Yeah, just get I mean, the fuck it, out it, of here. Exactly, exactly. It, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Wait, I don't so know you're what saying, Sam, we is. need to go out and bet on like the bottom five teams because obviously these guys don't have any idea what the fuck they're talking about. Look, if you're going to bet on the bottom five teams, go to my bookie and go ahead and get yourself some 100 to 1 action for the Miami Dolphins because I'll take that action before I ever lay money down at 80 to 1 odds on the Cleveland Browns. That That is ridiculous to me. But, uh, of course, uh, you could probably imagine who the two teams are at the top of this league. Very original by Bleacher Report as to who would be at the top uh, of the odds list here. Care to guess the top two teams? Hmm, I'll take a stab at it, Sam, and say it's the teams that are in the fucking Super Bowl. Oh, look at you. Look at you just knowing how the national pundits actually work here, Chris. God. Number two of all the teams are, is, I should say, the New England Patriots at 10 to 1. No shock there, in my opinion. And, of course, the number one would be the defending reigning champions, the Philadelphia Eagles at two or at 8 to 1 odds. Uh, how often does a team go back to the Super Bowl the year before, you know, after winning it, or even just going back after they've lost it? Other than the, the Patriots, it doesn't really happen. Um, well, it's especially very, in that division. They're playing the Redskins. They're, they're playing in cold weather. Wentz is coming off of a bad knee injury, and no one's talking about that, by the way, but God, that's used in every argument of why the Dolphins are going to suck this year by pointing at Ryan Tannehill's knee, and um, it's just funny how the narrative goes to, like, Wentz, comeback player of the year, Tannehill, knee injury, Dolphins will suck. Like, it's the same thing. Like, why can't it be both? Um, and then they got to play the Cowboys who are on the up and up, and they're, they're doing better as well. Um, and then the Giants. I mean, they just got Saquon Barkley and a couple of draft picks. Like, they're going to be better too. There's no way the Eagles are as dominant, in my opinion, uh, as they were last year in that division just because of those variables. I mean, the Giants had a bad year last year. The Cowboys had Ezekiel Elliott out for a long time. Um, the Redskins just were the fucking Redskins. I mean, Jesus Christ, they haven't done shit in, like, 
like decades uh, since Euro, uh, Euro European. I mean, basically they haven't been back. So, um, which which is false because I think they beat us in the Super Bowl after that. But uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, like you said, the, the the fact that they just like blindly give eight to one odds to the defending Super Bowl champs, and then here's the Patriots. You, you called it. It's lazy. It's so lazy. And I, I feel like these guys look at these lists and these teams, and they start out positive and start just building from the top. And by the time they get to the middle, like by the time they get to the Dalton line, by the time they get to the Bengals, right. they're just like making shit up to just – have teams fall into place and we just had to come to the bottom. But, you know, Sam, we've said this before. Every time we've ever been counted out or like a second thought or not thought of, uh, we've surprised some people. So um, I've also seen a couple of lower level national guys come out and say, I just did my like win losses for all the teams. And surprisingly, I don't know how it happened, but um, you know, I had the dolphins at 10 and six, you know, things like that. So um, we know not to count our chickens before they hatch. I mean, we get excited when we think they're going to be good and they're bad. So maybe it's going to be the difference this year and be the opposite. Well, who knows? Uh, That's why they play the games and that's why, Uh, The games start very, very soon. In fact, when we come back from the break, we'll be talking about the very first game here on Perfectville. That would be the Miami Dolphins versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason game. Number one coming at you right after these words. What's up, citizens of Perfectville? It is Sam here to talk about Amazon.com by way of WelcomeToPerfectville.com. It's time to do all that back-to-school shopping. It's time to get the cool new jerseys for the football season. Time to do all of that fun stuff. But why do it at a store? You're going to have yelling kids everywhere. You're going to have smelly people in front of you, gross people behind you, checkers who don't care whether you live or die. That's right. They don't care if you live or die. Why deal with the human condition when you can do all of that shopping and more at Amazon.com by going to WelcomeToPerfectville.com? Yeah, that's all you got to do. Just click on the Amazon.com banner when you go to our website, and it'll take you directly to Amazon.com where you can do all of your regular shopping. No hidden fees, no extra charges, but since you went to Amazon.com by clicking the link on our website first, it helps your favorite podcast continue to go. So there is no downside, ladies and gentlemen. Just click the link at WelcomeToPerfectville.com to go to Amazon.com and do all of your shopping. All of it. Literally all of it. Food, clothes, utensils, zombie apocalypse, bug out bag, any of it. All of it. Amazon.com. WelcomeToPerfectville.com. Seriously, I don't even know why you're still listening to this commercial. Go to WelcomeToPerfectville.com, click on the Amazon.com link, do all of your shopping, no hidden fees, no extra charges, and when you're done with that, come back and listen to the second half of Perfectville, which is happening right now. And just like that, we are back here on the second half of Perfectville. Chris, uh, your topic, you deferred to the second half here, is previewing the preseason game number one for the Miami Dolphins against the lousy 200 to one odds to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what do you got, my friend? What do you see happening in this game? What would you like to see happen? Um, just just lay it on me. What do you what are you looking forward to with this game? Number one. Oh, Sam, um, tomorrow's showtime, right? It's Christmas Eve right now. Uh, our first game, preseason game, we get to see our boys run out there. Um, everything we think about during draft night, where we're excited, we're going to add some Miami Dolphins to our team. We're going to see some new guys out in their uniforms. Um, I'm most excited for the second-year players and the rookies. I want to see Tankersley out there make some plays. Um, I, I want to see um, Kalen Balage or Ballage uh, run the ball in the third, fourth quarter when a lot of people have emptied the stadium and no one's watching anymore. I want to see him get his carries, um, see him show up in the in the aqua and orange. Those are the things that get me so excited. I want to see Gasicki. I want to see him making plays with Tannehill and with the second-string quarterback. Um, I, I want to see Frank Gore a little bit, a little uh, Kenyon Drake. I want to see Xavier Howard keep playing the top uh, cornerback that he's been uh, with the receivers that they have over there. They got, um, you know, Michael, whatever the fuck his name is, um, their big signing that they had a few years ago. And then uh, the fast guy from the Eagles, don't even know his name either. Uh, we had to cover him because uh, I, I don't care. I want to see Mika Fitzpatrick go out there and make some plays at safety and hit some guys and get his shoulders loose. This is what this is all about. Um 
I'm excited because this week, two days after this game tomorrow, Sam, uh, my team has our first scrimmage. We play Parkwood. We have a scrimmage at 8 in the morning on Saturday. I'm excited to get the boys out there, liven up. It's the same same kind of feeling. You want to see them just get some live action against somebody else for once. We've been hitting the same kids in training camp. Uh, and to go out there and see a different color helmet and see what they do uh, in a game situation. So it, it, it's important. Um, a lot of people are shitting on it, saying it's the first preseason game. Why am I so excited? Who cares? But you know what? It, it's important to a lot of the guys on the fringe of the roster and the, and the mid-level rookies. And uh, guys just uh, like a McTire, for example, that's been making plays all training camp. Is he going to show up with the lights are on? That's what I want to see, and I'm super excited about it. Well, you know what, Chris? Here's what I'm looking for, okay, because uh, we don't want injuries, obviously. right? Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. Danny Amendola, our rookies, Mike Kosicki, Mika Fitzpatrick, all of the starters, they're not going to play that long. So we're not going to get a huge peek into what the offense is going to look like during this game. You're not going to see a, 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 a robust playbook. You're not even going to see the starters play more than maybe one or two series max, right? We agree on that. So what I'm looking for is obvious stuff. Like, I don't want to see injuries to any of our star players. I don't see injuries to any of our players, but if it has to happen to a player, you know, let it be Brock Osweiler and not Ryan Tannehill, right? You know, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's what I'm looking for is if he's gonna have injuries make it to somebody who's somewhat insignificant number two one of the things that has been consistent in the two years that adam gase has been here has been the pre-snap penalties and penalties in general and if you look Mm. at the scrimmage that the miami dolphins had the other day against themselves that's one of the things that we continue to struggle with is you know lining up the right way uh, snapping the ball the right way, false starts, you know, uh, lining up in the neutral zone, offsides, all of these things that can be easily avoided with discipline and coaching. I think these are big coaching issues. So I'd like to see us try to have somewhat of a clean game on both offense and defense when it comes to uh, those pre-snap penalties, you know, no illegal formations, no offsides, um, all of those things. I mean, the, pr- the procedural stuff, or, or like when the game action is actually going, if we get a pass interference or a holding penalty or something like that, I can deal with it. Uh, but it's all that pre-snap nonsense that just kills me, absolutely destroys me. I mean, nothing, nothing is more, um, I don't know, just uh, m- more of a dismay moment for me. Like when we get a big gain, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, the, the wide receiver didn't cover up the tackle on the, on the yeah, weak side. Yeah, legal man downfield or some shit. Yeah, you know, just something that could be so easily avoided. So that's those are the two main things that I'm looking for is I want to see us get out of there pretty much unscathed when it comes to injuries. I'd like to see a little bit from our offense, a little bit from our defense, obviously. But uh, let's see what we can do about the penalties because that's been a huge, huge issue. And then the other thing, I mean, I, I've kind of joked about it uh, for the entire um, offseason. Um, I am interested to see what the kickers can do. I think the kickers are going to get a chance mm. to showcase their legs in this game because I don't see a lot of scoring, especially not early. We might get a lot of garbage touchdowns and garbage time in the third and fourth quarter. But I think the kickers are playing every you know every down that they're in is really a job interview for them. So uh, Jason Sanders and Jason Sanders number two, whatever his other name is, uh, I'd like <laughs> to see what they're going to do because I've seen encouraging things and heard encouraging things about uh, training camp. So uh, it's time for them to do it when the game lights come on. I think their names are Jason Sanders and Jason Saunders. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's, <laughs> that's what it should be. Yes. And then uh and then I've also heard a lot of bad things about the punting in practice, so I'd like to see that get fixed and worked on. Uh, special teams is a big deal. Um somebody like Jerome Baker making plays, uh seeing McMillan get out there and actually run around and make some tackles at middle linebacker. Um, and you mentioned Danny, Danny and Mandola. I want to see him and Wilson get some chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, uh, even if it's only for the first drive, a couple of check downs or like some easy drag routes, things like that, just to get them involved, get the sweat going and get the, uh, the, the game motives moving with the lights are on. That's, that's the biggest thing right here. And, and like you said, of course, the injuries, um, but penalties, man, you're so right. As soon as you said that, I'm like, you know what? We have had just like issues with penalties ever since Adam Gase is, has been the head coach. Um, I think we led the league his first season with penalties and then last year wasn't much better. Um, just getting these veterans and, uh, Larry Tunzel having a couple of years under his belt. Uh, hopefully our offensive line shows up, uh, tomorrow and we have some good blocking and pass protection and, and run blocking and then the penalties. Just get rid of those, man. It's just, it's so tiring as a fan when you have a big play, like you said, and it's brought back because of a bullshit shit holding that didn't even matter to the play or illegal hands of the face across the field that uh, was irrelevant to the ball in the air. It's just 
those things are just completely non-sequential and in its coaching and its discipline. Yeah, you know, and those those penalties kill you too, like the holdings or you know the pass interference or, or you know hands to the face. But those are during the middle of gameplay, and there's so many factors that go into that. You know, I. I not that they're acceptable penalties. I don't want anybody thinking that I think that. But to me, the biggest failure is when it's like you're just not lining up correctly. Like you should know how to fundamentally line up on offense right. or defense, right? Like you need to know. Uh, I can understand trying to anticipate a snap count and getting off sides or lining up at the neutral zone every now and then but when we keep doing it over and over and over and you go from like a first and ten to a a first and five to a first and ten because you gave them another five-yard penalty all of those pre-snap bullshit penalties i would rather them almost be a half a second late than way too early and continue to extend drives um that they're getting first downs on without any merit it's it's us just handing it to them quite literally i'd rather them earn those first downs uh than us just say here you go other team here's a here's a first down for no reason other than we are dumb and we don't know what we're doing and, <laughs> and i do think it's a it's a coaching thing at some point you you could replace those players or you replace the coaches if you can't get that right and you're right i think two years ago we did lead the league in penalties and it was okay because we went 10 and 6 and made the playoffs but when you go 6 and 10 and you still have all those major issues you know, just need to start looking at it go we need to clean that stuff up we obviously didn't have the talent um especially last year without ryan Tannehill, to overcome all of those penalties so um that's what i'm looking for i want to see if they can clean that up i think from a talent standpoint obviously the offensive line which going into uh the the preseason and training camp was not even number three on my list of priorities i had other things that are list there it is kind of shot to the top because we continue to see issues there um i'm a little bit more encouraged by the defensive backfield than I was going into training camp. So I think they have really shown themselves to be a talented group. Uh, the offensive line still needs to get together and, and create some cohesion amongst that starting five. And even the backups who are, let's be honest, going to be playing a significant amount of time this season. They always do. Uh, so I'd like to see that. You know, Selfishly, I want to see Mike Gesicki do something because the guy's been doing yeah. it day in, day out when practice and scrimmages. I'd like to see him do it on uh, you know against another team. Um, but really, though, I can live without it if he doesn't do much that's fine Uh, i just want to see us not get injured i want to see us not have a ton of penalties and i'd like to see us look somewhat competent as a football team give me something to hang on to going into you know the second preseason game against the carolina panthers Yes, some uh, the good teams in the league, Sam, their second defense and their second offense goes out there and it almost doesn't miss a beat. I mean, you can tell a little here or there, but it's like a real good forged dollar bill, like hundred dollar bill. Like it's you can see where it's fake, but man, it looks good. Like that's that's a good team when you still have your second team unit going out there and still having good drives, making good decisions, making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Um, one guy, and, and I know we've mentioned literally almost everyone, so this is kind of like irrelevant at this point, but one guy, as you were talking, that I really want to look forward to looking at uh, and watch, and he's going to have a lot of good opportunities against a second team offensive line for Tampa, is Charles Harris. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Second year defensive end, um, Quinn is already like penciled in in front of them cam wakes on the other side uh andre branch is just randomly floating around there's rumors of him being a trade bait um i want to see charles harris step up and like literally cement himself or start cementing himself as a future defensive end of this team when cam wakes gone and um and do some things and take advantage of playing against the second team left tackle third team left tackle and um you know second string quarterback that might hold on to the ball a little bit longer this is his time a home game week one preseason Everybody who's been talking good about him, uh, Wake included, you know, his 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 guys in the actual meeting rooms with him are saying good things. So I, I just want to see it on the field. No, you're right, and that's actually one key individual on defense that I'm looking forward to based on what Cam Wake said, and that Charles Harris had the best offseason of anyone, yep. not only on the Miami Dolphins, but in his opinion of the entire NFL. So uh, that'd be interesting to see if that uh, pays off, even in a preseason game, let alone a regular season game. Uh, so you're right. That's a, that is one one guy on defense that I'm looking forward to. The one guy on offense I'm looking forward to, you know, obviously Ryan Tannehill. I mean, that's the guy that we need to go out there. We need to see him yeah. take a couple snaps and go with our and see it with our own eyes and say he's back, he's there. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I really am high on Mike Kosicki. I really do want to see what Mike Kosicki can do out there. Um, I, I think he is going to be, as I've said on this show before, he is your Jarvis Landry replacement. He will be the go-to receiver by the end of this rookie season. I guarantee it. 
barring an injury to either Ryan Tannehill or Mike Kosicki, that is going to be the guy that Ryan Tannehill, he's already starting to do it, Chris. He's already looking for him yeah. in practice as a number one option. Um, it's going to happen. And at some point, defenses are going to have to adjust. And hopefully at that point, if they're adjusting to the tight end, that's where Danny Amendola kills him. That's where Albert Wilson kills him. That's where Jakeem Grant kills him. Uh, yep. That's where Devontae Parker goes over the top and just takes the lid off the top of that defense because they're looking at Mike Kosicki. I mean, the options, if Mike Kosicki does what we think he can do, um, are really limitless at that point. At that point, it's it's going to be a fun, fun offense to watch, uh, barring any injuries, of course. So those are my guys, Ryan well, Tannehill, and Mike Kosicki. And, and if you look at it, Sam, if you look at the uh, the past successes with Adam Gase and his offenses when he utilizes tight ends, when Julius Thomas was in his prime in Denver and what he did, and then you actually look at what Ryan Tannehill did when he had good tight ends. Charles Clay and he had a connection immediately. Even Dustin Keller, before he got injured in preseason, yeah. that, that's the only guy he was throwing it to. Tannehill really counts on these tight ends. So if Gusecki is even close to the guy that we expect him to be, you called it, hit the nail on the head. This is like you calling Lance. Landry leaving uh, on bad terms. This could be the next thing we talk about in a year later where you called this thing. Yeah, look, I'm not going to, I mean, I'll take some credit for the Jarvis Landry thing because I just knew that was going to happen. Mike Kosicki being a good player is not something that I think I can take credit for. I mean, you saw it. Other people have seen it. Uh, it the writing is on the wall. I mean, only the only thing I'm seeing is that, look, uh, from a from an actual offensive output, he will be the number one go-to target by the end of the year. That is my prediction yeah. based on his talent. So if I'm going to lay my hat on anything, it's that. I think everyone knows that he's going to be a good player and, and you know that he has the ability to do that. Uh, but somebody that everyone's sleeping on, Dallas Smythe, the backup tight end, or mm. eventually will be the backup he's tight end. He's had some end. good practices. He's had some very good practices, and he's a much more polished blocker than Mike Kosicki, and he can catch the ball sneaky good. So uh, we have a couple of tight ends now that uh, might be able to do some damage on the rookie side. Um, anything else you're looking forward to on this preseason game, Chris? Any, any in particular player, any particular coach uh, or, or unit that you're looking for, or, or is there something out there that we haven't touched on yet that you want to touch on with regards to this game. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned McMillan and, and Baker. I really want to see the linebackers. I want to see Chase Allen. Supposedly, he's been really uh, fighting for starting time and, and, and taking some reps for McMillan. So he's doing good, even in pass coverage. So I'll be interested to see uh, what he does with the second, third team, and even if he gets some starter reps. Um, but also, I want to just heed everybody, the, the fans, everybody, us as well, to not look into too much, like who starts tomorrow and um, like who gets more playing time. That's all just it's all like in the chemistry right there where Adam Gase is trying to just find guys to play together and see what they do with guys around them. Uh, maybe McDonald starts over Minka Fitzpatrick or, or vice versa, but it doesn't mean one thing or another based on what this is going to look like when a 53 man roster is actually finished. So let's just pump the brakes, enjoy it tomorrow, seeing our uniforms out in the stadium. Uh, one guy, a will name that hasn't been mentioned tonight um, that I think is very important to our success this year is going to be uh, uh, God Chow. I think I want to see him a defense tackle. I want to see him step up with uh, Nandamakan Sue now gone. Pair him with Phillips and see what we can do. There you go. Devon Godshaw, another name that's out there. Uh, somebody who turned some heads early and surprisingly in his career and uh, is now fighting to be a starter. Now that, as you mentioned, um, Domicon Sue is gone. Um, either way, Chris, uh, it's not going to be a failure. I mean, it, the fact that the Miami Dolphins are going to be on the field, the only way it's a failure is if somebody of significance gets injured. Uh, but barring that, there will be no Dolph fails tomorrow during this game. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have plenty of Dolph fails because it is time for greatest Dolph fails in Miami history. And this time, Chris, we're going all the way back to a different time, a different era, a different Miami Dolphins team with regards to a logo, with regards to a look and a feel. And we're going all the way back to 2002, Chris. Yes, that's right. Hmm. 16 some odd years ago, the Miami Dolphins, believe it or not, if you look at the Miami Dolphins today in 2018, we are ranked at least in preseason rankings, towards the bottom. In some cases, the very, very bottom of the league, number 32 of 32 teams. But there was a time during a season, during a regular season, back in 2002, when the Miami Dolphins were 5-1 and one and were ranked number one by not only uh, a Bleacher Report or USA Today, but by CBS Sports, by Fox Sports, by just about every national media outlet that covered sports, and the NFL in particular, the Miami Dolphins were ranked the number one team in the entire league. They were 5-1. and one. Jay Fiedler, of all people, was leading the Miami Dolphins towards a guaranteed playoff push, and then all of a sudden he gets hurt against the Denver Broncos. 
He goes down, and wouldn't you know it, but our backup quarterback comes in, who everyone assumed and thought uh, was the best backup quarterback in the league. And, of course, I'm talking about Ray Lucas, or as you affectionately call him, Chris, what's that name you call him? Spray Mucus. Spray Mucus. And the reason why Ray Lucas is called Spray Mucus is probably because of his very first start against the Buffalo Bills for the Miami Dolphins when not only were the Miami Dolphins 5-1 and one going into that game, they left 5-2, and two, which is bad enough, but it's not only because they left, it's or because they lost, but how they lost, Chris. I mean, this this game starts <clears throat> with the Miami Dolphins leading 7 to nothing to a Randy McMichael touchdown from Ray Lucas, and we're all thinking, hey, this is awesome. Yeah, we're, we're not going to miss deal. anything. Well, then... This is how the rest of the drives for the rest of the day ended for the Miami Dolphins after the initial touchdown. Fumble, interception, field goal, interception, punt, interception, punt, downs, punt, fumble, punt, interception. So it's one of the statistically one of the worst performances by a quarterback of all time. Again, for the people that hate hate on uh, Ryan Tannehill. This right here is the very definition of a garbage, absolute garbage stat line. He had 136 yards passing on the game, one touchdown, four interceptions, multiple fumbles. This game is one of the very games that actually had me question my Dolphandom. That's how bad this game was watching wow. it. I mean, Dave Wanstat versus Greg Williams, that alone is enough <laughs> to make you question what you're doing with your life, spending more than two minutes watching this garbage. But the fact that Ray Lucas fumbled the ball multiple times through four interceptions, including a pick six, and it was a downward spiral the rest of that year. We didn't make the playoffs that year. We missed out on the playoffs after being ranked the best team in the NFL after week six. I mean, significantly into the season, uh, spray mucus comes in and this team is never the same, Chris. And, and I blame Ray, Ray Lucas and only Ray Lucas for that. One of the biggest all fails, uh, not only for a, a, a single play or a single game, but for an entire season. What, what a meltdown. So two things for you, Sam. One, uh, the first one is kind of pretty simple. It's just funny that looking back, what, 16 years ago, there were still fans clamoring for the backup quarterback. Yes. Um, and, and that's one of those things where it's just, I mean, put, put, put your smart hat on, guys. Like the fans, like you're not smarter than the head coach, even if he's a bad one, even if he's like Cam Cameron, Tony Sperano. He's literally smarter at football than you because he's got to the point where you're talking about him and he doesn't even know who you are. So he's already smarter than you in the game of football. So that's one thing. Just just keep that in mind every time you clamor for the backup quarterback, the Ray Lucas, the Matt Moore. Every single time it's just like he's a backup for a reason. Maybe you don't know that reason. And all you're looking at is this shell on the outside and the inside is just Matt Moore's teeth. Just Let's just stop right there. Yeah. Two, Sam. Tell me right now, let's just put you on the spot, what is different and what changes with the actual history of the Miami Dolphins that season and beyond if Jay Fiedler stays healthy? If Jay Fiedler stays healthy, we don't rely on Ricky Williams to run the ball 40 million times, and Ricky Williams possibly doesn't retire uh, on the eve of training Bingo. camp the, the year after or two years after, whatever that was. And perhaps, perhaps, maybe we aren't stuck with uh, Dave Wanstat retiring, Cam Cameron coming in, the entire fiasco of Cam Cameron just being an awful, awful uh, head coach. Maybe we don't even have Nick Saban. All of these things. I mean, this domino if, effect. It, this domino effect that ha- occurred because of the the fallout of this season and in particular Jay Fiedler getting hurt and Ray Lucas coming in and I misspoke I, get, I said he had 136 yards my bad Ray Lucas you had 165 but your quarterback rating that game 26.3 <laughs> I mean I, I my 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 five-year-old daughter who doesn't even play football she plays hockey has a better quarterback rating than ray freaking lucas i mean the guy the guy had a long of 26 yards on the game uh the mm-hmm. leading receiver is james mcknight with 42 yards on the entire game i mean it's awful he had five rushing attempts ray lucas did for 18 yards with a long of 17 that means he had four <laughs> other rushing attempts that gained one yard one total yard uh, matt i mean that's that's insanely insanely 
insanely insufficient. You know what I mean? It's just one of the worst performances by a quarterback ever. And again, looking at this, if you look at the domino effect, if you look at the chain reaction of what ultimately happened because we lost a, a bona fide starter in Jay Fiedler, let's be honest, uh, it was just a complete and utter meltdown of this entire franchise. And again, it goes back to the Dave Wanstead era. If you guys, if you guys, the citizens have not figured it out yet, I am not a fan of Dave Wanstead. I'm not a fan of that era. I'm not a fan of that coaching uh, staff, that that front office staff. I, I thought they misused and abused talent to the point of people retiring, quitting early, uh, wanting to get out of Miami, and really just lost a lot of the luster that the Miami Dolphins franchise had. I put a lot of that blame on Dave Wanstead. He, he infuriates me. The mustache, the hair, the stupid parka that he would wear in Miami. Like, why do you even have a parka? Why do you own a parka? You're in Miami. Like, you should be wearing uh, nothing, right? You should be wearing... Yeah, I should, white I should, beater, at least. I should see your nipples that have the same weird Dave Wanstat mustache on your nipples as they do on the <laughs> face. Like that's, Somebody's got to Photoshop that now. Yeah, please, somebody <laughs> out there. Please do. JT, somebody out there. Just Photoshop Dave Wanstat nipples with mustaches on them. Uh, anyways, Chris, uh, like I said, I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't even know why I keep doing this segment. It, uh, it bums me out every single time, but that is... Uh, this week keeps episode. us grounded, man. It keeps us grounded. You know what else keeps us grounded? When you have Ray What's Lucas that? as your quarterback, because you can't throw the ball in the air, so you have to be grounded. But uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move on. It's time for three and out, Chris. Uh, what do you got for first down? First down, Jarvis Landry on hard knocks last night. He uh, went off. Uh, first, first of all, of course, his first segment shits on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, stupid, ridiculous. Uh, just coal mining, uh, sulfur breathing in, asbestos working. Cleveland Brown fans are chanting Jarvis Landry just incessantly over and over again as he stands there and catches tosses from the ball boy like he's doing something. And uh, Jarvis Landry, what does he do? He turns to the camera and says, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Chant my name. Like he's just so fucking about himself. And then he turns to one of his teammates and goes, yeah, I had nothing like that in Miami. In Miami, we had some of this right here, but not all of this. Like meaning there's two fans like in the crowd at Miami training camps. Sam, I've been to multiple training camps and I've seen the Miami Herald pictures recently. There's more than fucking two rows of fans in the crowd. The difference is we're not chanting your name because you haven't done anything but catch a lot of footballs and not win games for us. That's why we're not chanting for you. The Cleveland Browns went 0-16. Yeah, they'll take a guy that can circus one-hand catch in the middle of the field because it gives them something to talk about the water cooler on Monday other than their shitty loss. Yeah, look, I mean, Jarvis Landry playing to the camera. He knows exactly what lens is on him at all times. So you yes. have to give him a little bit of uh, leeway knowing that he, he, he's, he's a TV star. That's what he's trying to be. That's what he's aiming to be. Uh, I did enjoy seeing his, uh, his his beautiful little girl playing with the bubbles. Um, you know, the fake fiery speech at the end, you know, to his teammates. Okay, whatever. Um, I, I was really annoyed with the blessed stuff. The blessed, the blessed. God, the bless- he just was all over that. I really, I, I just, I, you know, I, I know it's something that he's probably trying to uh catch on or, or, or maybe become a thing. And, and I know he's the, the leader of that very young wide receiving core that's in there. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it wasn't that he was shitting on the Dolphins. That's one thing. He, he was basically shitting on the fans. And the one thing that the Miami Dolphins have not done is turn on Jarvis Landry in Matt, you know, on mass yet. And uh, I think that might happen if this continues on this series uh, with the Cleveland Browns, because at some point we're going to be like, dude, what the hell? We didn't do anything to you. We wanted you to stay. You wanted to leave. You and Adam right. Gase couldn't get along. You wanted to go we let you go and we're you know for the most part the Dolphins fans have been pretty good about you know celebrating Jarvis Landry thanking him for his time here and wishing him nothing but the best moving forward but if he's going to shit on Dolph fans you know that that's when you're going to start losing people Jarvis Uh, you don't need to do that yeah I mean, like, fuck him for that. And that's the thing. I, and you can look back at our, our previous episodes. I love Jefferson Landry. I, yeah. I like seeing him play on the field. His, uh, I, I said his hard-nosed attitude on the, on the field was the things we loved. I mean, you're right. There's not a fan that wore aqua and orange that didn't like the guy. And there wasn't really many fans that didn't want to pay him, at least fair value, like fair value for his position. And then even, like, maybe add a bonus for, like, what he brings with this fiery attitude and things like that. But when you're going to leave – 
there's one thing to say something about Ryan Tannehill. We saw the same thing Kelvin Benjamin just did it to Cam Newton and D'Angelo Williams kind of uh, toppled onto him. I guess they're just bored because they're not playing or doing anything. D'Angelo Williams, I mean. But um, like, there's one thing to shit on Ryan Tannehill, but to come out there and the first thing you do when the cameras are on you and hard knocks is just shit on the fan base that just supported you for four years. That's just that's weak sauce, man. It's just so weak sauce. And him trying to create a um, a, a niche brand and him trying to uh, create a uh, catchphrase and and stuff. That's the difference between a leader and not. You know, Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor aren't making T-shirts. They're not worried about a phrase that they invent. Like he's sitting there, probably in his house, concocting a term or a phrase that's going to catch on on Instagram and make him even more famous or be able to sell some more T-shirts and make even more money than he just signed a contract for. And that's no leader I want to follow. No, it makes me want to drink a nice cold beer of Jarvis's Tears, which is a beer that you can pick up from a local <laughs> South Florida brewery. Uh, all right, second down here, Chris. Uh, and this one, we're going to stay in the AFC, but we're going to go to a different AFC North team. Eric Weddle, yes, the veteran safety for the Baltimore Ravens, says RPOs are a fact that will be gone from football in five years, RPOs being a read-pass option offenses. He says, I think in five years it's going to be out. I think it's just another phase. Uh, it's just like the Wildcat and the quarterback run game, yada, yada, yada. Teams that run the ball and take shots are usually the hard teams to beat. What are your thoughts on Eric Weddle's thoughts about RPOs, the run-pass option, being out and being just a fad and not a game-changer in the NFL? Yeah, I don't agree. Um, I because agree with you. the fact that, yeah, the fact that he compared it to the Wildcat, which was like a basic one year fad in the NFL. And then finally teams caught on and the RPO is still something that's being successfully used in the NFL. Um, it's just something that's almost impossible to defend because you can have the greatest defensive end that you can have in the league. But if he chooses wrong and the quarterback chooses right and either hands it off or fakes it and keeps it, He's got an open game, and it's got to keep you on your toes. And what it does is it takes a defensive end that's aggressive, that normally has his ears pinned back, like a la Cam Wake, and um, you force him now to, to be somebody different, somebody that's not what has got him to where he is at this point, where he has to stop and think and read and react. And that's a linebacker's job. That's a safety's job. Defensive end, defensive lineman, they're taught one thing, and that's to absolutely fire off the ball, Find the run uh, run carrier and and take him down. So when you can actually sit there and and make him play your game and stop and stutter and chop his feet and break down, all of a sudden you're taking away that one player's uh, best attributes. And I, I don't think the RPO is going anywhere, especially not in five years, because it's been around for longer than five years and no one's stopping it yet. Well, and here's the thing: the the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl last year largely in part by employing an RPO style offense. And what the difference is is that this style, this this innovation of play, at least in its current form, um, forces a defense to basically defend against any possible uh, combination that's out there. So you can have a quarterback, you know, pull the ball down and run, or he could turn around and hand it off. It's basically defending a play action. It's defending an, uh, a halfback uh, draw and everything else in between there. And that's why I think it's different. And here's the other reason why I think it's different than the Wildcat. And I think it's a bad comparison. The Wildcat was a scheme. The Wildcat was a fad, but the Wildcat where it was ultimately flawed is that it took positions like the quarterback, like the running back and even the offensive line and put them out of their traditional positions. You know what I mean? Like uh, when we yeah, started Chad this, Pennington playing receiver doing nothing, you had Chad Pennington playing receiver. You had, you know, Ricky Williams coming in motion as the wildcat. You had Ronnie Brown as the shotgun trigger man. And then you had, when we first started it, the wildcat had an unbalanced line where you actually had the left tackle on the right hand side to start the play. So yes, it was a gimmick and yes, it caught everyone off guard, but by the time people started to realize, oh, wait a minute, this is what they're doing, it was easy to defend. It was easy to overcome. This RPO fad that we're seeing right now, for lack of a better term, doesn't put people in positions that aren't naturally theirs. Your quarterback is still your quarterback. Your running back is still your running back. Your offensive line is still your offensive line. What this allows, in my opinion, is for um, the offense, if they're smart enough, to basically pick apart a defense wherever that weakness happens to be 
play to play, week to week, team to team. I don't think it's a fad in the in the vein of a wildcat. I do think it'll be around longer for very re- for various reasons. One of them being it has been around a lot longer than the wildcat has. Plus, it's had more success than the wildcat had. So you are going to see this continue. You're going to see it evolve. Um, I think it'll actually have more of a lasting impact than the wildcat. I think at this point, the wildcat, as we talked about recently, Chris, there might be one or two pages in a playbook that still you know reference the wildcat on some level. I think the RPO will be a section of a playbook, if that makes any sense. I don't think it changes the complete playbook, but I think it's going to be a larger section of a lot of teams' playbook, including the Miami Dolphins. I think Ryan Tannehill can run this uh, and has run it with success in the past and will do so in the future. So I think Eric Weddle is wrong. I think he is a fad and he'll be out of the league within the next five years. Oh, absolutely. And and I agree with you, too. Um, uh, As we said, this is a thing that it's even evolving as we speak. Now that you're having to read uh, option to where they fake the handoff, the quarterback acts like he's running and then he throws a quick jet screen to the receiver. So it's evolving. And and that's the thing that's going to just it's just undefendable. Um, or at least it's not easily defendable like the other things where they're gimmicks. So I agree 100%. Yeah, it's a read option run with a play-action pass. I mean, that's like the, the scariest thing ever for a defense. You don't know if they're <laughs> running it, passing it, throwing it, who's passing it, who's catching it, who's running it. I mean, it, it really is going to have to you know keep them on their toes. But uh, that's what I got for second down. I thought it was an interesting take by uh, one of the league's best safeties, quite frankly, even though I think he happens to be wrong. What do you got for third down? Third down, I was going to go one way, but I'm actually just switching gears right here because you're on the West Coast, Sam. Look at and you. You're you doing a read to, option. You're doing a read yeah, option right here. read option. You just thought I was handing it off, and I'm actually passing it. Nope, I'm keeping it. Here we go. Um, <laughs> so you hate this team more than anything. Is John Gruden done as his time as an NFL coach with the way he's handling one of the best players in the NFL and Khalil Mack? They haven't even spoken, Sam. What is John Gruden doing? This is this is one of my favorite storylines to to follow outside of the Miami Dolphins this offseason this preseason is John Gruden and one of the most colossal mistakes not John Gruden let me back up John Gruden has not made a mistake coming out um and coaching again because John Gruden is getting a bajillion dollars to be the head coach of the Oakland Raiders soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders I think he's actually going to get an ownership stake in that team he's going to be a million times richer than he would if he'd stayed in the booth at Monday Night Football now the issue that he's going to have is that getting out of the booth and back onto the sidelines he is risking his his reputation and his legacy as a great coach and it's not going to be the same I mean that's one of the most brilliant things John Madden ever did is he won a Super Bowl he got out and he sat in the booth and told everyone he was a genius for 35 years John Gruden was on that same that very same you know life story arc when he decided all of a sudden I'm going to go back and coach again he's not going to be as successful his first time with the Raiders he doesn't have Rich Gannon to help him out he's not going to be as successful as he was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he doesn't have Tony Dungy to set up that team for him he's going to fail because the Oakland Raiders are terrible And uh, the one thing I like about this, though, is John Gruden doesn't give a shit anymore because he's got more (laughs) money than anyone. So he could just tell it like he has been for the last few years, regardless if he's the coach of the Raiders or not. And I loved his line about Khalil Mack when they said, are you concerned about Khalil Mack and this defense if he's not reporting to camp? And he kind of looked at the reporters and said, the Oakland Raiders weren't good on defense last year with Khalil Mack. So, uh, you know, that right there is a shot across the bow. That is John Gruden saying, this is my team. It is not your team. Uh, So if you're going to play for this team, you're going to, you know, fall in line. Otherwise, we'll ship your ass out. It would not surprise me to see Khalil Mack leave the Oakland Raiders and go somewhere else. And if he does, I want him in Miami. I love that player. I think that guy is awesome, and I would love to see him in uh, South Florida. But uh, to answer your question, is he failing? Yes. But I don't think John Gruden cares because John Gruden has has money. He's going to have an ownership stake, and uh, it doesn't really matter after this. He's set up for life because the Oakland Raiders gave him one of the biggest sweetheart deals I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah, he's probably handling it wrong, but it's better for me and everyone else watching this because it's way more entertaining with him not giving a shit and being unfiltered. Yeah, there's a famous gif of Woody Harrelson crying and wiping his tears with $100 bills. That's John Gruden right now. Absolutely is John Gruden. And, uh, you know, I hope he does that during the game. I hope he's, uh, you know, crying (laughs) tears of sadness and he just pulls out Ben Franklin's and starts wiping them across his face and saying, oh, this is so depressing. Um, You know, in college, they hold up poster boards with like Lee Corso's face on it and like the flash. He's just holding up $100 bills with like the plays written on it. Yeah, it'd just be him on the side. He's holding it up and it's just it's just his contract. You know what I mean? He just holds it up. (laughs) 
on a big <laughs> placard and like they're like what are you going to do on third and 15 he just holds up page four of his 15 get page paid. contract yes yeah, so that's, that's it. it's going to be it's like defense but get paid right so that's uh <laughs> get paid get paid that's what it's going to be uh anyway yeah he's going to change the eye patch on the raiders logo to just a big dollar bill you know just that's what it's going to be but uh no that's uh Good for him. He's going to have the uh, biggest bulge on the sideline and uh, star in the next Chucky movie. I got to tell you, man, that's one thing that uh, I am not looking forward to are the uh, sideline shots of him walking back and forth where they're actually going to have to film him from the waist down and you can actually check his blood pressure through <laughs> his pants. Uh, <laughs> my God, they're going to have to make him untuck his shirt. It's it's disturbing <laughs> what's going on underneath that belt line of John Gruden's. But... Uh, it's also disturbing. That, it's also disturbing. We would end the show that. talking yeah. about John Gruden's cock. John, of course. John, wow! Whoa! 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 Wait a minute, Chris. Nobody said anything about John Gruden's cock until you <laughs> mentioned it. I was talking about oh. his raging hard on that he always has, but I said nothing about his cock. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I overstepped my bounds. I'm sorry. We're going to get fired from the network that we just joined for being rated R right off the top, which, uh, by the way, you can find Perfectville on WelcomeToPerfectville.com as well as DolphinsTalk.com as part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. You can also find us on Twitter at PerfectvillePod. You can like our Facebook page at PerfectvillePodcast. You can also email us PerfectvillePodcast at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram, although I am piss poor about putting stuff on there but if you do uh want to take a look at it that would be perfectville podcast uh that is our social media that is our show chris cullen it is almost tomorrow for you on the east coast as we record this which <laughs> means if it's tomorrow then football happens today my good friend so happy Dolphins football game day Dolphins game day, even if it is preseason game number one, and we're going to get uh, you know two and a half quarters of Brock Osweiler trying to remember which team he's supposed to throw it to. But that aside, I'm excited. You're excited. The citizens are excited. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye here today? That's it, buddy. Go go Dolphins. Did you forget which team you were supposed to be rooting for? I'm going to start calling you. <laughs> you just Osweiler it there. Go Dolphins. Uh, I, I actually burped. Sorry. Oh. Well, there you go. So did Brock Osweiler, and then uh, it got picked <laughs> off and ran back by uh, Xavier Howard. All right. Well, with that being said, goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.